Welcome to the Fixed Ops Hustle Podcast, where we talk about all things to help any automotive repair shops grow their business. Covering topics like leadership, emerging trends, technologies, processes, planning, financials, and marketing. And now your host, Marcus Aman. Hello, welcome to the Fixed Stops Hustle podcast, sponsored by Shift Auto. And today, I have an awesome individual on our podcast, Jeremiah Foy with Hunter Engineering Company. And I met, I met Jeremiah about five years ago, four or five years ago, and we've had a relationship ever since then. He sold me a lot of equipment when I was a service director. He's also a former service director. Uh, I know he moved here from California. Uh, to North Carolina, and uh, he's a hustler. He's out there every single day talking with service managers, parts managers, general managers, uh, you know, independent facilities, dealerships. He's he's hustling every single day, and I, I'm I'm very excited to have him on this podcast uh, because he knows what it takes, almost as an entrepreneur or as an entrepreneur, and then also you know, pushing products in the service departments that actually helps them generate revenue. So I'm excited to have him on this podcast today. Welcome, Jeremiah. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, so look, at, at the beginning of every every podcast, I always ask one question. Um, at the very mm-hmm. the first question I'm going to ask you is, you know, what is one of those favorite quotes that you have that you live by, or one of the favorite quotes that you have of all time? What is one of your favorite quotes? Yeah, so I'm not sure I have a, a favorite quote. I love all sorts of quotes, right? Little snippets of intelligence put there in, in kind of like a Hallmark card kind of way. So I like a ton of quotes. I used to keep a book of them um, somewhere through moving throughout my life. That book has disappeared. So I'm sure it's stuffed in a box of things I probably need to get rid of. But uh, um, one thing I say all the time, and, I, and my kids probably get sick and tired of it. I got a whole pile of kids you know i got five kids at the house and i got a little brother i look after as well so he's like i'm a sixth but one thing i say all the time is proper planning prevents poor performance and there is a there's a quote that goes along with that abraham lincoln attributed to it saying that uh if i have six hours to cut down a tree i spend the first four sharpening my act which really kind of says take some time to plan on what you plan on doing so you don't just beat a dull axe against the piece of wood right Hundred percent, man. It's a fail, fail to plan, plan to fail. I love it. That's right. That's right. Um, and and that's very true. No matter what you do, whether it's sales, whether you're playing basketball, you know, my son, son this this past year tried out for the basketball team. It was the first time he could try out for the team, and he hadn't been practicing mm-hmm. like he probably should have. And he didn't make the team, and he was so upset. You know, he was just so devastated that he didn't make it. And, you know, so I asked him, I said, you know, Brody, why, why do you feel like you didn't make the team? And he was like, well, I didn't practice, you know, so he, he's, he's got the accountability. And I, and, I, and I swear to you, since then, every single night, every single day after school, I, I have I've heard him in the, in the driveway shooting or, or, or <laughs> early in the morning. I mean, I've seen him up. I've seen him up at 530 a.m. out there dribbling and shooting every morning because he wants to get better. His goal is playing now is to make the team next year. So he's planning towards yeah. making it, and I believe he will. Uh, but the reason he didn't make it, and he noticed, was because he, he failed to plan for <laughs> uh, prior to trying right. out. 
right. Um, I love that. I, I, not to interrupt you there, but uh, so I, I helped coach um, Upward Sports Basketball at, at my local church out here. And uh, I've helped do that. Uh, other coronavirus kind of put a stop to that for a minute, but we're, we're going to be back. But uh, my son wanted to get better as well. And that's what they want to do, right? They want to shoot. They want to shoot all the time. But if you can't get to a shooting position, what's the point? So, so I talked to my son a lot about, I know it's not glamorous and it's kind of the grind part of it, but you got to learn to dribble. You got to learn to ball handle. That is the part that puts you in a position to have the success of shooting. Yeah. And, 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 and kids have a hard time wrapping their heads around. I have to get through the grind portion to get to the, to the part that I want to do. Right. Yeah, that, that's right. They, they get caught up in, uh, you know, like watching someone like Stephen Curry, who is just like an amazing shooter you know, where he just can shoot from anywhere. And, and, and he has the, the glory of being the best shooter on earth. And, you know, of course, you know, kids their age, you know, they're looking at people like him as you know who they want to be. Uh, That's right. Playing sports. But right. I mean, my, I was telling my son, you know, as tall as he is and as big as he is, you need to focus on getting rebounds, you know, <laughs> get in there and get rebounds. And then, and then all the other stuff will, you know, get all the scrap stuff that you can possibly get, and then you'll become the shooter. You know, yeah. you got you to learn how to play down there before you can learn how to, you know, dribble between your legs and do spin moves and layups. I mean, all of that stuff looks fancy and good. Uh, That's but right. You have a team of five people that are doing that, and nobody can rebound, then you're going to lose. You know, so. That's right. <laughs> anyway, enough about basketball. I promise this is a fixed ops podcast, so we're going to talk about <laughs> ops. <laughs> all right. Next question is, who is somebody, Jeremiah, that has inspired you in the automotive industry, one, to do what you're doing now or, or, or to grow as an individual in automotive? So I didn't really have like an automotive um, dealership world experience. I actually, I went to school to be a technician, right? Went to school to be a technician, worked my way through college and um, was in an automotive program in college, but I ended up getting to a position where I was employed and ended up being a district manager for a retail company. And it wasn't until we decided to move from California to North Carolina that I ended up picking up a job in, in a dealership. And that being said, I had no idea really what to expect. So I ended up going to YouTube, uh, doing the proper planning prevents poor performance, right? I got on YouTube and just searched everything I could, research everything. And I really gravitated towards like uh, Chris Collins on there does um, now he does the service drive revolution. Um, he's got a lot longer beard than I have now, um, but he had a shorter, he had no beard at first and then a short beard. And, and, uh, and I kind of refined what I wanted to do based off of a lot of what he had going on. Um, particularly his pet, the dog, if you've heard that before, um, he's got a whole pet, the dog spiel about making sure that you're addressing the relationship with the customer, not, just looking at their product, their commodity that they brought you. I mean, they chose to bring a commodity to you, but they don't want to spend the entire time focused on that. So pay attention to them and realize that they made the decision to bring that to you. And then I refined that skill set using like Jeff Cowan and things like that. So I really had to dig into that because I didn't have somebody specifically to help mentor me. I just was kind of thrown into a service manager position and like, here you go, ready, race to go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, you sometimes trial by fire is the best way to learn. I mean, yeah, right. to, to be honest, as, as bad as it feels early on, um, <laughs> you know, when you when you don't have all the answers, um, as bad as that yeah. feels at the very beginning, you're trying to figure it all out. Is, it, but you learn so much faster that way. 
you know, yeah. you can learn so much faster. Um, so tell us about Hunter Engineering. When did you get started with Hunter? You know, and, and what purpose do you guys serve? Tell our audience, you know, what, what do you guys do at Hunter? What purpose do you serve? When did you get started with them? And what is your mission? So being in the dealership world and being in automotive period, I had um, cause to run into Hunter equipment all the time. I mean, so Hunter as a, a company, Hunter Engineering Company is a wheel service company. Um, so that would say that we do wheels, tires, brakes, alignment, um, and some inspection pieces around that and top of the line American made products, but that also has its caveats as well that, um, you know, being in that market, we get American made has a, a, a bad rap altogether almost as being a higher priced all the time. But sometimes there's that stigma dealerships have that stigma. So I kind of worked in that, in that stigma already where I had that at a dealership level. And a friend of mine that worked for Hunter Engineering um, for years prior to me coming on board, and I've been on board now for about a year and a half, um, but he also worked for the same dealer principal. And he caught me in the grocery store one day, and I was talking about my dealership had just changed hands, and there was a lot of change going on, and nobody loves that. And he said, well, there's you know life outside the dealership world if you ever want to look into that. And after a couple lunches and conversations with him and conversations with my family and my wife, we decided that uh, it's going to go ahead and take the dive and, and try it out and see how it goes. It's a new experience completely. Um, so I'm a manufacturer's rep. So my job is, like you were saying, to visit people and talk about what Hunter has to offer, how how them investing in Hunter may benefit their business, and see if it fits it. It's not really what I did at a dealership. It's not what I did at retail. So it's the components of it put in there, but not really what, what I did before. So Hunter's whole goal is to make wheel service equipment that is safe, fast, reliable, profitable at the end of the day. Well, um, I must say, um, probably one of the most persistent people that I've ever met is you. Um, and and probably one of the best service people that I've ever met is also you. Um, and the fact yeah. that you're constantly checking in. Um, <laughs> Whether I had made a decision or not, I knew I needed to buy a new uh, tire machine, a new balance machine, and a new alignment rack. You know, but you kept checking in on me until I eventually. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I knew I needed to do it, uh, but sometimes right. things holding us back. You know, you may be a service director, and, and maybe uh, expense is holding you back. You know, at the moment, uh, maybe you you're waiting on having that conversation at the right time with your general manager or corporate. Uh, you know, service director, fixed ops director, whoever it is that you may need to talk to about it. Uh, but, you know, really what, what you should do and what I should have done back then was just going ahead and made the decision um, so that my technicians could have worked a lot faster and a lot quicker and got cars out of the shop faster, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes those things, those things hold us back, the conversations that we need to have and the expenses. You think about the expense, but you don't think about the profit that you're making, you can make, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, I think Hunter and their products definitely helps dealerships be more efficient and make more profit, especially with some of the, these new, new technologies that they have, like the lane, the lane check. Uh, you want to yeah. talk about that? Yeah. Um, so we had a lane check for a while that was a manned, um, a manned opportunity one where somebody would put on alignment heads and roll it forward and do some things like that. 
And uh, when I was a service director, I actually purchased one of those. And we, we made a ton of opportunities on there, a lot of opportunity to sell um, maintenance alignments to customers. And we did fantastic with it. No doubt that that machine definitely made its money back. And Hunter came out with another innovation to make it manless. Because the problem with having somebody in the lane doing it, a porter or what that may that be, is it requires somebody. Somebody has to do it. Um, and so then that person gets sick, takes days off, has vacation. Um, it's cold and rainy outside like it is today in North Carolina. Just doesn't want to get out and service drive and go do it. So you have all these things. So they made an autonomous one that now when you drive through, um, takes pictures of the vehicle as you go through 40 high resolution photos of the vehicle. It's got multiple opportunities to capture the alignment specs. And then it resolves the then uh, by grabbing the license plate and bouncing that off of Carfax. So now we got a measurement, we have a specification, and we can tell whether the alignment is is in spec or out of spec within a few seconds of the customer coming in, which is which is pretty incredible. And those 40 high resolution photos of the vehicle, that always helps out with the uh, with the service managers and the general managers that always have that sting of having to pay for somebody's dent, ding, or scratch that they don't feel like they did. Those 40 high-resolution photos, you can go back and you look them up by VIN instead of uh, CCTV where you would pull, pull up by time and date and it never matches your RO system or whatever you use to try to track when that customer was there. And then really, when we get right down to it, the quality of those CCTVs leaves a lot to be desired when you're trying to focus on a little tiny niche corner of it. So, um, I, I try not to present it as a doom and gloom of, hey, customers aren't going to tell you you did the scratch that you didn't do and you're going to show it to them. It's more of a, we're going to take care of our customers and fixed off, we're going to take care of our customers and we want to. Yeah. But what we don't want to be done is taking get taken advantage of. So if I have an opportunity to see your car come in the service drive and you tell me, hey, Jeremiah, there's a scratch on the rear passenger after you, you know, side after you did my oil change. And I never saw it there before. I know you've gone to school, church, um, the grocery store, uh, you know, a hundred different places. You never looked at your vehicle as intently as you did after I did the soil change. Maybe you just didn't notice it. So now I can look it up, have that conversation with you. And it's a, it's a lot less friction. If I look at it and I see it, I say, Marcus, I'm sorry, but this, this happened prior to getting here. Here's the photo of your vehicle. Here's you driving it in. Check it out. And um, it's a lot a lot less friction there. And if it did happen, then I can take full responsibility of it because I know that it wasn't there when you came in. And that conversation even sounds a lot better. When I say, you know, I'm so sorry that happened to your vehicle while it was here. I'm going to go ahead and take care of that. We're going to get that cleaned up. It's going to it's gonna look the way it did when you brought it in. And I apologize that it happened. I'm going to take full responsibility. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, and not only does it waive liability, but it's also profitability with you yeah. know, the alignment and all of that, I mean, it's like a no-brainer, really. You know? uh, yeah, so it the the specs that Hunter has for it right now, they've, they're constantly evolving because we capture so much data. Um, but the, the specs that we have for it is roughly, depending on the manufacturer, roughly half of the vehicles on the road have one or more alignment angles that are out of spec. Um, and it also has a tread depth inspection piece, too. And there's this fewer opportunities there, but still quite a few that exist, more more like 15%. But um, you start taking a look at that coming through your service drive, and those are opportunities for your service advisors or whatever it may be to have that conversation with a customer up front while that, that vehicle's being taken in. Um, 
multiple reasons your customer would want to take care of that alignment from fuel savings to tire tire wear savings to just drivability concerns, pulling, um, things like your vehicle stability control. Those those systems kind of rely on some some pretty finite specifications. And if you're out of spec, then then they may not have the opportunity to work as as efficiently as they were designed to. Yeah, that's right. So mm-hmm. what are some some trends that you see in the industry since COVID, you know, for, for service departments, even for Hunter that are, that are here to stay, you know, like what are some things that, you know, have changed? Yeah. So obviously, I mean, the big thing is, is the online marketplace. You were in the dealership. I, I was in the same environment where everybody talked about it, but nobody was really, really serious about, getting into an online marketplace type experience. We would talk about, oh, Amazon, how how Amazon does so well. And really what Amazon does, right, is make a frictionless process. They're not always the lowest cost product, but it's so frictionless to go ahead and, and get what I need done that they, they have great success in that. And you're starting to see that in the industry now um, with, with multiple different things, um, I mean, from your product, of offering a way for a customer to get get their vehicle to and from the dealership with as little friction as possible to kiosk-based systems like GoMoto. Um, you're starting to see that. And then a lot of those are focusing on touchless now too because everybody's concerned about contagion right now. So touchless opportunities. And Hunter's really jumped into that as well, making some touchless opportunities from like the alignment inspection that you were just talking about where we could just drive through. Um, to now we have a website, HunterNet, which existed for a while that we evolved into HunterNet 2. Um, you didn't even get an opportunity to look at that. Uh, it came out right as you were transitioning, and it wasn't ready to show anybody. And, and for the last couple of months, it's been ready to show. And it's it's just offers, offers a lot of opportunity for that data to be captured in one place for like a fixed ops director to look at, especially multi-location to look at. Um, and then on a on a smaller level, like a service advisor can have access to it, capture that alignment data. If the vehicle got brought in without the customer, they can email it over to the customer um, right from that platform. So that customer can see that their alignment specs was out was out. And it unfortunately in this environment that we're in, I think customers are starting to believe computers more than they're starting to believe people. So when the computer says that my alignment's out, it's out. You know? Yeah, well and that's a great point is that what we're doing right now has become the new normal versus the human interaction that we've all been accustomed to in the last, you know, hundred years, 200 forever. There's never been this type of virtual type experience. You know, when you're, when you're dealing with customers, when you're uh, you know, you're trying to speak with uh, you know, when you're doing a podcast, you know, yeah. You know, we, we might we might normally have done this in person, but now we're doing it, you know, virtually, and yeah. uh, it changes things. It changes, um, you know, the, the and I and I talk about this all the time because I have a team of people working for me, and you know, we're trying trying to connect with people emotionally. Sometimes, you know, you're trying mm-hmm. to sales meeting or you know a development meeting, and you're, you're you're doing it virtually. So sometimes, you know, maybe somebody's screens turned off. Or, you know, are they listening to me? And I'm trying to do a presentation with a, with a dealer and, uh, and I hear him talking to someone else in the background. Is he, is he paying attention to me or is he multitasking? Is he, you know, 
those type of things happen. Whereas if I was in person, they, they generally probably wouldn't. Um, yeah. You know, so you have those things to kind of overcome. And, and like you said, things are moving towards a e-commerce style of business. I mean, every industry has, has gone that way. A, a, a recent stat is Walmart, uh, Instacart, and Target. Their application downloads have just exploded since March of 2020 uh, for, for contactless, you know, pickup or delivery. Uh, for mm-hmm. So if, if you're looking at that and we look at our service departments, uh, you know, how come we don't have that type of experience for our customers? They should have an e-commerce style. If they select the basic oil change, why aren't we upgrading them or asking them if they'd like to upgrade to a mobile one full synthetic oil change? Why aren't we doing that? Because it should happen, right? Uh, if you're right. on, they say, hey, customers like like you that bought this item also bought these items with this item. You know, mm-hmm. why aren't we doing that in service? And yeah, yeah. It's funny that you bring up e-commerce. Part of part of HunterNet too was making an e-commerce thing. You were in you're in the service director chair, your guys would always tell you about something that was needed for a machine after they broke the last one, right? It was already too late. It was kind of a friction process to get a replacement. You had to call a physical person, hope that they wrote it down and got your order. I mean, I think we did a pretty good job of that, but you know it's done when you can jump into an e-commerce, add it to a cart, send it to yourself, you know it's done. I can print an invoice right there, it's, 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 it's gone, it's in the mail. And, and talking about uh, going to the dealership environment, not to get too long-winded with a friction process, but some dealerships are just intimidating. I go to tons of them now. I mean, I go to tons of service departments, period. And for years, they talked about the dealer losing their customers to the Meineke's and, and the Jiffy Lubes and things like that. And they talked about because of their convenience, their price, whatever it happened to be, they gave you some reason. But we never looked at the dealership and just looked at what a huge kind of intimidating building it really is compared to when I go to Meineke, it's very, very simple. They do very limited amount of things. I know what's going on. I know where to go. I know what they're going to talk to me about at the end. I'm not going to mistakenly walk into the sales door when I'm trying to get an oil change and then have somebody asking to do an appraisal on my car when that's not what I wanted. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, you're exactly right. And and if if you look at a dealership, their physical property is intimidating, you know, mm-hmm. and, and unless you've used them before, you don't know where to go. You know, you may pull up on, it happened all the time when I was a service director, the, a, a service customer would pull up on the sales side of the building looking for service, even though we had a sign on the other side that said service, but it's just a big building, you know, so they don't know they're, they're there for that. And somebody needs to guide them or direct them to where mm-hmm. they go, but it's the same way across their website. You know, uh, when you go to a dealership's website, what is the first thing you see when you log in? Oh, every car special, new thing that come <laughs> out. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you, but please buy this car. You know, or you see, uh, you know, five, ten different pop-ups that, that come up. You have a chat bot. You have a special pop-up. There may be one for you to spin the wheel. Uh, you know, to get some special discount on a new car. But you're you're just there trying to schedule a service appointment. And yeah, yeah. So it, I argued that. Our website was was not great at the dealership I was working at. Um, we were one of the ones that talked about it a lot, but didn't do anything with the website um, other than what uh, it was a Chevy dealership. So what, whatever General Motors required is what we had. 
And um, one of the things that I talked about was the phone calls because I, I hired a company, third-party company, to review phone calls of my service advisors to, to see how they could help their opportunities with customers. They tracked all the phone calls that came into the dealership. And then we broke them down by segment. And it was crazy. It was like 68%. I can't remember the exact number. It was high 60s calls for service. And it was like 20% of the calls were for parts. And then the rest of them were for sales. But then when you were when you picked up the automated, thank you for calling, press one for sales. Well, why is sales number one when three quarters of the customers are trying to get a hold of service and parts? Shouldn't they be up front so they can get off the phone as quick as possible? But we're, we're not doing that. Well, maybe, we're parading uh, one front. Yeah. And maybe we should be promoting, uh, dealers should be promoting a direct line straight to the service department. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. You're right. I mean, I, I did a... Uh, uh, a study on this actually yesterday is, is what it, what is your experience like on the phone at your dealer? You know, you call, you get the switchboard, you want one for sales, two for service, three for parts. And then when you click service, it may say press one to make an appointment, press two to check on the status of your car. <laughs> you know, those type of things. Customers just want to get through. They just want to talk to somebody. And a lot of dealerships, and I know this, probably just as good as you do, Jeremiah, is that you're probably, you're cold calling on a bunch of places just like I am. And mm -hmm. how atrocious some of these phone systems are, uh, it's just, it's, it's bad. <laughs> you know, there, I might get put on hold. The other day I had an employee that was on hold for 22 minutes before he got transferred to the wrong person. I, I did tell him not to ever stay on hold for 22 minutes again, but, but he was on hold for 22 minutes before somebody actually got to the phone and then it was the wrong person, you know? So, yeah. um, you know, if, if, if we were trying to schedule appointments at places like this, you know, just think about the amount of revenue and the money that they're actually losing because they're not capturing phone calls. We live in a time where you expect, if you call Domino's, for example, and you want to order a pizza and they put you on hold and you're on hold for longer than five minutes, you know what you're going to yeah. say? All right, I'm just going to call Papa John's or yeah, going to be delivering a pizza in 30 minutes here. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, pizza, pizza, not all pizza is the same, right? But you know, it's pizza at the end of the day, it goes in one way and it, it tastes almost the same, you know? So, you, you know, what are they doing? What are service customers doing? If they're not getting through to you, they may be going to another facility. In fact, mm -hmm. the stats show that after the warranty period expires at dealers, 75% of consumers end up going to independent service facilities, 75%. So three quarters of your customers that buy new or used cars, when the warranty period is done, they're going to Meineke, Jiffy Lube, or Midas. But why do they do that? You know, there, I think there's three reasons. You know, the first one may be the misconception that the dealership costs more than, than a Midas, Jiffy Lube, or Meineke, which is not always true, and you know this. You know, I, I had customers all the time that would come in and say, hey, Jiffy Lube is going to charge me $84 for an oil change, you know, because <laughs> they were yeah. trying to upgrade them to the highest premium service that they, they maybe had there. Uh, when their car when their car really just needed 5W20 synthetic blend, you know. Yeah. And then the, net, the other two is we don't always make it easy. Dealerships don't always make it easy for customers to, to schedule like we were just talking about. They don't make it easy for customers to know where to drive when they come in. Um, you know, so they don't make it easy like you were talking about earlier. And then, you know, obviously it, they don't make it convenient. You know, if a customer buys a car 
from your location, from your dealership, and maybe it's 10, 12 miles away. Uh, and maybe they work eight miles away from your dealership. But there's a Meineke or Jiffy Lube or a Midas right around the corner. You know, mm -hmm. time in transit that they have to get from their job or their home to your location is just not convenient for them. So yeah. you, you have a physical location, you know, you have a physical address, a physical location, and you're just dependent on customers coming to you. Well, the way I envision things when I was a service director is why don't we go to them? Why don't we go to them and bring them in here too? Because now we're capturing cars that are coming to us. And now we're also capturing cars that we're going out and bringing in. Um, mm -hmm. That's for a better customer experience, but that's also to get part of those 75% of those customers that are going to Meineke and Midas and Jiffy Loop to have them coming back to us so that you could grow your, your, your fixed ops, you know? So, um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of, a lot of thoughts behind that for sure. But the, uh, we, I think we build price up to be the problem when it's really not because you see dealers discounting their oil changes all the way out to free and you can't discount yourself to being convenient. You can't discount yourself to being timely. I was actually just talking to a super intelligent former fixed ops director that is now looking after some stores himself. And he was talking about, he's got a dealership that's just inundated by giving out free that now, I mean, it's like three days to get in. And so now they've made themselves non-competitive for doing repair work because they're just inundated with the free oil changes and things like that that they've given out. So not only did they discount themselves out of being convenient, they've discounted themselves out of the market altogether. And, and now you're, you've got this weird position where the, where the, the cart's pushing the horse, right? <laughs> so. Well, and, and, you know, discounts, you know, if, if you're trying to beat someone's price, mm -hmm. you, do you have to discount it or should you just show them that you're providing more value? Than yeah. a, you know, going to a Jiffy Lube versus going to an OEM for service is is different in many ways. And I think one of the one of the biggest ways is and I'll, and I'll try to be as respectful as possible because I know you serve independents and I do, too, mm -hmm. is that. You know, dealerships generally use factory OEM parts, you know, mm -hmm. generally use factory OEM parts, oil filters and oil, um, especially on oil changes, uh, whereas an aftermarket uh, or an independent may use aftermarket parts. You know, um, you know there, are, there are some that use like recycled oil, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> those type of things, right? So uh, there is a difference. The quality yeah, most is, is a difference, you know. Yeah, most most of my um, most of my independents. I mean, they they use the my successful independents use very high quality products. Um, so that's really just it's just not it uh, on a lot of quality things that that the dealer does have the advantage with OEM designed and and factored in parts. Right, those are those kind of laser focused on that one model. But dealerships always also talk about wanting to do service all makes and models. So now I have this oil and this filter kit that's designed laser focused on that model but now i'm going to tell you it's as good to use on everything but um it's just it, there's a lot to a lot to unpack right there of course but um, when you're starting to talk to these convenience-based type things like you're talking about uh, i think if you look at walmart which is huge right um one of my favorite one of my favorite corporate gaffes ever is in the 80s when the Kmart CEO said that that Walmart would never compete with them. 
And now, I mean, where's Kmart at? Kmart doesn't even exist anymore because they got comfortable. And then um, now Walmart tried to in, get into the space of the neighborhood markets. Do you have any of those near you? Oh, yeah. We have like four near me. And now, and then they pretty much got out of that space. And now um, Dollar General is taking over those because Dollar General does locationally close good. And I'm not going to say that the Dollar General shopping experience is fantastic, but what they do is make it very, very convenient, right? Um, I mean, uh, uh, apologies to anybody who works at Dollar General, but I'm not going to say that that experience is fantastic for me anytime I ever shop there. But I shop there because it's a mile and a half down the road. Right. So. It's it's right down the road. Um, it's it's generally within a mile away from you. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. you, they have the basic necessities. You know, yeah. if you want if you want nice bed sheets or something, that's probably not the place that you need to go. But if you if you're running low on drinks or shaving cream or something like that, that's the place to go. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, but they understand. They understand what they're good at, and and uh, and, and, and that's what you know. A, a lot of the service departments need to realize is what you've been good at is what you've been good at, but moving into the future in a new world. I mean, just the other, just yesterday, I think they said there was a new strain of COVID and I'm like, Oh no, you know, like, yeah. how long is this going to last? Is it going to last forever? Are we going to be in mask and socially distanced forever? Or, or can we, can we go back to some sort of life at some point? But business itself has completely changed. Uh, because of it, um, and everything is, uh, you know, that, that's why you see e-commerce just blowing up. Is because mm -hmm. of it. I think on the service side, beyond having great equipment like Hunter provides, because you need that moving into the future, especially to be super efficient, but you have to be able to provide like this excellent customer experience, and you have to be able to connect with your customer because just because your store says Honda or Toyota doesn't mean that doesn't mean anything today what is, mm -hmm. the, what is the experience like what how do they connect with me you know how do they connect with me the connection part really matters especially to the millennial type individuals yeah yeah i mean i'm excited uh talking about you know walmart walmart and uh kmart and how that happened i'm excited to see what comes now because some of the bigger dealership groups, even bigger independents that have been doing great business, doing great business, no doubt about it, for decades now. Now that there's this huge disruption in the market, how are they going to pivot? It's a lot harder for a huge chain, chain to pivot as quickly as some smaller locations can. And can the smaller locations pivot in a way that's meaningful enough to their customers to start grabbing share? I feel like this disruption that you're going to see, we're, we'll end up finding out in five or 10 years what really comes of it, who gets in front of that as quick as they can and does it well, right? Yeah. Well, you know, like if you're, if you're, a, if you're a dealership and you have multiple, you have multiple points, um, it's almost like you need to separate yourself from, it's almost like you need to separate yourself from the points and have one centralized e-commerce style experience for your customers you know mm -hmm. them to purchase buy when you go to buy a car it shows you the cost the prices do you need do you need brick and mortar you know do you, how much money does a dealership have in rent and building these nice facilities in brick and mortar 
And do they actually need them? If you look at Tesla, for example, right? You yeah. know, they, they, they go to a big city, which, you know, obviously that has been disrupted and changed due to the pandemic. But, you know, like you go to New York City and you see a Tesla showroom and there's two cars in there. That's it. Two. They have two cars in there, two or three cars. And mm-hmm. you buy everything online. And then they ship it, direct ship it, ship it to you. And then with service, you have OTAs, you know, over, over the air updates um, yeah. that, that they send out. You know, they have mobile service where they come to you and do the repair on your car, you know, where, where it sits. Of course, you know, tes- serv- servicing a Tesla, although it doesn't have oil, you know, it's expensive. Mm-hmm. It's, it's still really expensive to service one. You may not have yeah. to do it but once a year, but it's still, it's still expensive. And people are realizing that. Uh, you know, now as they go, but you know, is it that expensive if you don't have to put gasoline in it? You know, yeah. you don't have to. Put yeah, it. yeah, I've seen some. I've seen some registrations that are pretty expensive for those. So the registration takes it up, and and I'm okay with it not having oil because uh, at Hunter here we do uh, wheels, tires, and brakes and alignments, <laughs> and uh, Tesla's got wheels, tires, brakes, and alignments. So we're we're doing okay with that. Um, but it's funny you, you you bring up some of the the points. Do you need a you need a brake and mortar type? type experience um it, not so much in the new car market but in the used car market you're really starting to see that with what carvana right carvana will sell you a car drop it off to your house and you get seven days to decide if that was for you and of course there's gonna be some negatives to that i mean we all kind of panic in the inside when we hear that and say it out loud if we've been in a, in a dealership sales environment we panic but i think they're just decided that they're gonna take that that collateral damage that happens and it's just going to happen they're going to take that and go ahead and deal with it because of the additional volume they get from the model um hunter kind of takes that approach with with a lot of our products in that like i personally have uh, a tire changer and a balancer and an alignment machine and some things to actually tangibly show somebody for anybody that wants to see it um, and we mobily bring that to people because it's not really feasible to have a brick and mortar location to take somebody that's often an owner operator out of their environment to go somewhere. That's not feasible. So to look at it, we we bring products to them and that you're going to start seeing that more and more where it, you're going to have to go to where your customers are. People are busy. Our, our margin, the, the free time. Um, I talked about it a lot when I would talk to my service advisors as a, as a service director, I said, our country's problem is not financial poverty. It's time poverty. We, we don't have time. We're, that's, that's our problem, is we have a very limited margin of time, and, and we need to be respectful of that. So the companies that I think you're going to see excel in this, this space, they're going to be very mindful that the margin that we don't have is time. Yeah, I mean, and if you think about it on a service level, saving service staff time, what makes them more profitable, just like you're you're talking about. And if you can keep your service advisors off the phone, you know, where they're giving their customers a better customer experience, where they're maybe presenting all the work that the technician recommended to the customers that are waiting in the lobby, uh, you know, or they're helping a technician solve the problem where he just, you know, stripped a, a... will stud or something, you know, those type of things, you're going to provide a better experience, which generally will lead to 
higher gross and revenues you know, for, for your service facility. But a lot of times what I see dealers doing is they get, they get so involved in the expense side of it. They're not, you know, it's like they're playing defense instead of playing offense. And, yeah. and, and you, and you have to be on the offensive side. You can't win if you're not trying to score, you know, yeah. <laughs> you have to score, man. Yeah. I, I had somebody that's uh, much wiser than me recently tell me that, um, you know, with all the economic outlooks going on and things like that, he said, well, you can't save yourself out of a recession. You can only sell yourself out of it. Right? You can only you can only find a new way to to sell more of whatever it is you offer during that downtime. That's the only way you can get out of it. You can't save. You, you can't save your way there. Um, that you, very limited window can you do that where you can cut back all your expense, but then you've given up so much of why you were spending that the customers will refuse to, to utilize your service product. Yeah, you you can't you can't grow in retreat. I mean, it, it, just, <laughs> it can't it can't happen. And and, yeah. I, and I understand like maybe you can cut some of your expenses. Maybe you had too many like during the pandemic, for example, uh, some dealers furloughed staff, and <laughs> maybe they furloughed some people. Maybe they had too many people working for them in the first place. You know what I mean? Maybe you just we just had too many people working for us. You know? Um, yeah. You know, but but. You know, going back and looking at that, can you get the same amount of stuff done with lesser people? Does the quality of customer service go, go? You know, because you don't have enough people. I, I've seen it all the time. Like, I think the one area that you shouldn't cut expense is on people, if you need them. You know, <laughs> you can't say, well, you know, we don't need we don't need service porters because it's an expense because they don't produce revenue. But if you have cars parked up in the lane because you're, you're so busy and customers are driving in and there's like a line of cars there, you know, that's a problem, you know, yeah. <laughs> a problem. And if you had one person helping you park cars, that totally solves that issue. You know, and yeah. revenue. I mean, what, what is the psyche of the customer that's driving in that sees an empty service bay when they're driving in they, they, versus when they see 15 cars lined up? Um, the psychic yeah. customer is like, man, uh, you know, I, I can get right in. It looks like, you know, first right. it's going to take forever today. <laughs> yeah. One of the, you know, one of the highest profit margin things in, in fixed ops is, is alignments, right? I mean, that's one of the most profitable things that you can be in and it's a very quick turnaround time. You can collect on it. The having somebody being able to complete alignments or alignment inspections adds so much to the bottom line that if you take that person away, you lose so much more because of the revenue that you dropped in, in the meantime. So having somebody available to present that data to, to your customers is, is critical in, in the sense that what, what do you lose when you give it up? So I, I had a mentor of mine previously in, in regular retail ask me if, uh, if I had to pick people or processes, what would I be more involved with? And I'm a very process-driven guy, but I told him, even being that I'm a very process-driven guy, I'd choose people every single time. And he kind of looked at me very odd. He knew me. I was, I was up for a promotion and he wanted to know why that was my way of being, but, you know, answering that question. And I told him, well, I mean, you can have the best process, the best process anybody has ever made. And I get all the people, you get none of them. I'm a win. 
I'm going to win every day, you know, because at the end of the day, your people really do make you make you move, you know? Yeah, they do. And and uh, especially when you're like, I realized that when I was a, a fixed ops director is you're only as good as the people. I mean, you know, if you're if you're a service director, service manager, fixed ops director, you can't work on every car that comes in. You can't check every customer that comes in. You can't answer every phone call. You know, you can't order all the parts. You know, you have to sure you have the right staffing there the right people for the right job and if you don't you need to get the right people for that job but you have to be able to trust them because it's going to alleviate a lot of stress that you have if you if you can trust the people that you have uh in those positions that that you know that they're going to do a great job i was fortunate when i was uh managing the the, the honda store in, that i was at to have a great um to have great technicians um, to have great service advisors and a great parts department. It really made my job a lot easier, but it all starts with the people, man. If, if you don't have great people and you, you know, you don't have a good department, you know, you don't have a good department if, if, or a good company. I mean, it's not just service departments, you know, it's companies too. So like with what I'm doing now, you know, I have to be dependent upon a developer to, to write code and to be great at it. And I trust them completely. You know, I have to, you know, have salespeople to do cold calls all day and trust that they're doing that and then hold them accountable to it. But it all starts with people, no matter with what you're doing, um, especially if you're trying to be successful. It, it, the only sport that you can be great at, I think, is uh, is maybe like tennis or golf individually. Um, <laughs> you know, I think that's maybe the only thing, and I'm sure they had some help somewhere there. But, uh, you know, it's the same thing. It's the same thing in, in business. You have to have a strong team. Yeah, I mean, you talk about your your team and 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 keeping them in the right place. But uh, there's that that saying that people don't leave their jobs; they leave their managers. Uh, that and that I see that over and over and over again. I see fantastic employees. I mean, I got probably six hundred and fifty to eight hundred, depending on how you look at what a customer is involved with for me that I look after, and I see that a lot. Where I see somebody that bounces. A, a talented employee, but they bounce from place to place, um, leaving managers until they find a manager that they, that really gets them. And then when they lock in at that place, they do a fantastic job. Yeah, and 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 sometimes all of all of employees looking for is a, is an opportunity, a chance, mm -hmm. you know. And as leaders, you got to make sure that uh, you you know we tell we tell people when they're doing a great job. And not just expect them to do a great job, but let them know they did a, a great job. Even though that's what their description is, to, to hit this goal or to get to this dollar amount or whatever it may be, but congratulate them for it, you know, because that's mm -hmm. what builds loyalty. You know, especially being out there in the, the middle of the fire with them, answering phone calls, waiting on customers, whatever it takes. And, and uh, some, some managers don't do that, you know. They they manage they manage from from the sidelines, uh, you know they they just look at they're they're stuck in their computer and they pull up reports all day, and they manage that way. But you have to visually see what's going on because sometimes numbers don't tell the whole story. Right, and, and praise in public, praise right. in public. I got a lot of the the best managers that I see from my seat are always the people that have no problem walking out into a full room. And say, Marcus, you know what? You did a great job today. Thank you for taking care of Mrs. Jones the way you did when you did this, that, and the other. And they just, and they leave it. That's it. That's all they had to say. 
And yeah. it's just, I see the employee light up. I see the three employees that watched it happen all of a sudden jump up in their productivity because they want to be just like what you just did. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they praise everybody them. likes praise, man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know one person says, you know what? Please don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Please don't tell me I did a good job. I don't want to hear that. No, I don't, I've never heard anybody say that, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think technicians are some sometimes by management or some of those under, I won't say underappreciated, but maybe they don't get enough praise, you know? Um, because they, if, I'm telling you, if you don't have great technicians, um, you know, doing work, turning hours, making cars get repaired or doing maintenance and service on cars and getting them through the shop, you don't have a business, man. You know, especially in the car industry, the technicians make that business go. Um, all the service right. staff does, but if the technician can't fix a car and get it out of the shop, then you don't have a service business. So yeah. it, it's, it's important to, to recognize everybody, not just the front people that are waiting on customers, but the technicians that are getting the jobs done. So they feel like they're important too, because they are, man. They're, 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 they are very important to the success of a, of a shop. Yeah. The whole, the whole job is a fixed operations tends to be a very thankless job. I think that's why dealerships, by and large, tend to gravitate towards sales. Sales is more exciting, right? Sales is the fun part. You got the newlyweds that are coming to buy a new vehicle to start their family. And there's a whole story behind it. It's exciting. And that's great. The service department is when, you know, he couldn't make it to work today because the car broke down in the driveway. He's already mad. And and it becomes a thankless job and becomes a manager's job to instill a, a thankful culture and um, really taking that even to the next level of thanking customers for coming in is huge. Yeah. Do we thank customers for calling? Do we thank customers for coming in? Half the time, 22 minutes later, you can't even get the person you're looking for on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a little late to thank them for calling after 22 minutes. Hey, thanks for staying on the phone for 22 minutes. <laughs> it's just, that's not going to work. So having a thankful culture. Now let me sell you something. <laughs> yeah. 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 Now we buy these things from me. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, being that I was on hold for 22 minutes, will you please listen to me for two minutes? So there is a tax credit that, that you mentioned, and I'd like, I'd like for you to talk about it. I don't know if it, is it still good after 2021 or is it, is it expired now? Um, so 2020, they revised this section 179. So, I mean, my caveat here is obviously seek your own tax professional. I am not that. I'm just somebody who proper planning prevents poor performance. So I do a lot of looking into things yep. and seeing what's going to help my customers and trying to make it as frictionless a process to be a, to be a hunter customer, to buy a hunter, right? So part of that is knowing Section 179 of, of the tax law, which it essentially says that you can deduct your um, your investment, capital investment, be that equipment, software upgrades count for that and things like that. If you've been following along with the things that I've been posting, you can deduct that from your your business's income. And at a, at a corporate tax rate, that can show significant savings for the business not only in their total equipment purchase, but the amount that they ended up having to pay in taxes. Um, it's not uncommon for for us to hear at this last quarter of the year, hey, I saw my CPA and he told me I got to spend X amount of dollars. Like that, and that's 
that's all the that the owner operator or dealer principal really needs to know about it. They don't they don't always need to know how the watch is made. They just need to know how to tell the time. So the CPA told them this is the amount of dollars that you have to spend, and that's really what it breaks down to is is that. And to answer your question, if it's too late, um, it's five thirty on uh, New Year's Eve, so uh, it's getting too late. There's a few hours left. But um, th th I imagine that Section 179 will carry on. It's carried on for a good number of years. The government always tweaks it and and can't leave well enough alone. So they'll move the dollar amounts or how much is deductible and things like that. But I guess my, my part there would be don't table it. Just look at it again in 2021 if you haven't made a decision on what you're going to do this year. I imagine some variant of that will be available next year. And of course, back to the caveat, seek your own tax professional. I'm not that. Well, that's fantastic information uh, for everybody that'll, that'll watch this and, and listen to it. So Jeremiah is not a tax professional. However, you should go to the, to the tax law 179. Is that right? Section 179. It actually has its own, um, its own website. That's a government, uh, a government, um, populated website there at I, I don't know it off the top of my head. I put it on one of my social media posts for people to go gather their own information. So uh, most of the time that's what I try to do is get some thought provoking things out there, at least get the wheels turning so people can go educate themselves on what they're interested in. Excellent. So we'll we'll wrap up here. And what what area do you service, Jeremiah? So I go just east of Greenville, so the Pactolis, Grimesland area, things like that. And then on the western side, I go to like Clayton, so all of Smithfield, Kinston, Goldsboro. Um, and then I go north all the way up to, if you're familiar with North Carolina, Lewisburg, Middlesex, Nashville, that area. So I, Wilson and some areas like that. And then towards the southern side, I got uh, like Dunn, Benson, Warsaw. Um, all, all these little towns and areas in there. And, and I'll check in on anybody, anybody who has a desire to be a, a hunter customer or see what we have to offer. No shops too big, no, no shops too small. I come in and try to spend my time talking to customers evenly. Um, today's small guy is going to be tomorrow's superhero. You know, Kmart, Kmart was the big guy at one, one time and they're not there anymore. And, and so I, I really try to pay a lot of attention to everybody that I can all the way down to, I got a guy that runs a machine out of a trailer, uh, an enclosed trailer. He's, he's trying to be part of that mobile revolution. He's showing up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, if you live in any of those areas that Jeremiah mentioned and, and you need equipment, you need to go with Hunter engineering and you need to go with Jeremiah because he is an excellent person. Uh, not only just in service, but, but he, you know, He's going he's gonna to help you with the sale, and then he's going to help you with the service piece afterwards. You get him with the deal, and let me tell you, that's worth more than the machine uh, machine will ever cost you. So uh, I can tell you that for sure. Anytime I needed something, um, he was right there to make it happen within the same day. A lot of the times, within a, a few hours or within the same hour sometimes. You know, So uh, I will tell you, if you need equipment, whether it's a tire machine, an alignment machine, any of that uh, – uh, wheel and tire equipment. Hunter Engineering and Jeremiah, they're the people to go with. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yes, sir. So, Jeremiah, man, have a great New Year's. Sorry it went a little longer than we expected, but I think it turned out great. Yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot. Enjoy that new baby.
Oh yeah, man. I will. I'm, I'm, I'm working towards, towards what you have. I've got four. <laughs> <laughs> I got a whole starting lineup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Four, four, no more for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Be well, my friend. All right, brother. Thank you, man. Appreciate it.